Welcome to the Best of No Filter podcast, where we take fan favorite live streams and bring them to you in audio format. No Filter Network is a premium live streaming platform for content creators that allows hosts to monetize their shows by creating an interactive experience with their audiences. In every No Filter stream, viewers have the option to use a live chat or a feature called Knock to join the live stream themselves. What you're listening to is a recording of a live show, including audience members interacting with the hosts in real time. If you want to view full video replays of this episode or watch a live stream where you can be part of the show yourself, then click the link in this episode's description or go to nofilter.net to browse a selection of upcoming live streams. You can also start hosting your own podcast on No Filter Network and easily schedule, market, and sell tickets to your own event. View our website for more details. Welcome back to another edition of the Zone TV on the No Filter Network. Monday morning, another epic weekend of football action. A lot of great baseball over the weekend. And the NBA, the intensity is there to start off the season. So it was a great weekend of sports. Looking forward to talking about it all. Um, Thank you, everybody, watching the show live. Always much appreciated on the No Filter Network. If you have anything to say, anything to chime in, always feel free to use the knock button or chime in in the chat. All right. So to get it started today, I think I'm going to start the show with a, just a little bit of NFL takeaways. And then I'm going to move into maybe some of the NBA 75 list stuff and maybe a little college football talk to wrap up the show. So let's just start it out. Little NFL talk to get it pumping today. So it was a kind of wild weekend in the NFL, to say the least. We saw upsets. We saw comebacks. We saw big games. It was one of those weekends where it seems like the action never really stopped. So a lot to talk about. The Bengals took care of business versus the Ravens. Um, That was a standout performance. The Chiefs got blown out by the Titans. so, yeah, there's, there was a lot to digest from this weekend in the NFL. So I'll get into a couple of my takeaways. Speaking of the Titans, so the Titans offense is quickly, in my opinion, becoming the most complete unit in the league because they don't have to throw the ball for 300 yards a game with Derrick Henry in the backfield. They can, if they can throw an efficient two touchdowns, 220 yards like Tannehill tends to do week after week, and now with Julio Jones back and A.J. Brown starting to look like him, he's healthy, this Titans offense is absolutely scary. Now, their defense at times has had its issues, but when you put up a performance like that against um, the Chiefs and Mahomes, and previously they took care of business versus the Bills, it, it leads me to believe, regardless if they're going to be a championship-caliber defense, they're definitely going to be good enough to get it done and this team's going to be the real deal come the postseason, just like they have the last few years. This Titans team's been a team people don't want to play when it matters. And it seems like their passing game's catching up to the running game, at least like against the Chiefs. At least, yes, Derrick Henry is the bell cow. They feed him. They're smart. They're like, let's not broke what isn't fixed. And credit to the Titans. I will say this, because I watched numerous games. Oh, I, had the, I got the chain out here. I didn't realize it was in the picture. We were going to do the dog of the weekend, but we'll get to that later. Got the dog chain, one of those shows. All right, 
not mess up the chain here. Point being, I watched a lot of games this weekend where third and short, they're killing them running the football, run for the th- uh, third and short, com- convert it. They're in the opposing team's territory, and the team proceeds to throw the ball three straight times without even giving the running back a carry. So it sounds old school, right? But when your running game's working, it's so easy to get caught up in the mix, get lazy, not lazy, maybe lazy is not the right word, get um, get a little rushed. Rushed is a good word. And you, you know, you, you, you move away from the running game. Sorry, we had a fly in the studio. I don't know what's going on. But point being, the Titans don't get away from the run. When a lot of teams in the modern NFL get way too pass happy, even if their running game's working. Uh, I was watching that Colts game last night, and the Colts did take care of business. So credit to them. Went in a tough game in the rain. Carson Wentz um, made some unbelievable throws. I was going to say later in the show, I'll just get you now. Carson Wentz, if anybody never got a chance to watch Brett Favre play, and you're kind of curious, like, what was it like to watch a guy like Brett Favre live? Um, That was great for the television there we just uh killed a fly on air it was a mistake but it was getting in my grill first ever on the zone tv didn't mean to do it it happens okay moving along but a lot of teams they get past happy they get it moving along i was making another point carson wentz damn fly was getting me off my game here but hey we're in the zone on the zone tv staying focused all right so carson wentz reminds me a lot of brett Favre. He's an old-school gunslinger. He's going to roll out of the pocket with no fear of taking a big hit. Last night on multiple occasions, I've been a big Carson Wentz fan since he came in the league. I have a family who was from North Dakota, and he went to North Dakota. So everybody from that side of the family has always been a big Wentz supporter. So it's easy to root for the kid. The point being, every time he'd roll out of the pocket and go run for the first down, I'm sitting there yelling, slide, slide, slide. Similar, I think Aaron Rodgers told that to Joe Burrow recently. Like, you got to slide on those big plays. Um, but he just kept running for it, shoulder down, old school, Brett Favre style QB. I'm like, I don't know how long this lasts as far as enduring your career, but as far as fun to watch, throwback style QBs, Carson Wentz, fun to watch, Brett Favre style. Um, now, that's a big comparison. I'm a, a big Brett Favre guy as far as that old school style you're never going to see that again but Wentz is definitely in that category of guys who just goes out there lets it rip and when he's on the football field it doesn't seem like he's worried about too much other than just winning games okay so moving along back to the titans i do think that they're going to be one of the best teams in the league come the playoffs health permitting and the big thing with the titans for me is like i said they know who they are they have the passing game now, but they're not completely recreating their offense. Derrick Henry's on pace for a career high in rushes. They're feeding him the rock. And I personally love to see it. And I also loved it when they started out a little slow. I was personally kind of getting off the Titans. I didn't know what to think of this team. They stuck to their game plan. They said, we're going to keep pounding the rock, trying to create turnovers, play that old school control the ball, control the tempo, keep the other team's uh, playmakers off the field kind of mindset. And that's exactly what Mike Vrabel's been able to do. I've heard there's always been the talk about how there's never been a Belichick protege who's really succeeded. 
and Mike Vrabel, excuse me, although never coached under Belichick, from my understanding, he played in his system for a long time, and he came in the league coaching under a Belichick protege. So I will say it does seem like Mike Vrabel has a little bit of the Belichick mindset as far as like, we're not going to play the same game as these other 32 teams. We're going to play our style of football. We don't really, we're not worried about it. 31 teams against other 31, but we're not worried about it. We're going to play our style. We're going to play to our strengths. And that's what wins football games in the NFL is playing to your strengths, staying true to who you are and believing in yourself. Because there was a lot of teams, third and short, coming out of the shotgun after they just ran for an eight-yard run on second down. It's just like if your running back's got it going, your offensive line's feeling it, let the big fellows work, keep running the rock. That's just me. So I like what the Titans are doing. As far as the Chiefs, I think the biggest concern there, it's no denying, obviously their defense is a mess, but I, I still think the offensive line is a work in progress. And I was very critical of the Chiefs earlier this offseason, the fact that they rebuilt their entire offensive line. From my understanding, I don't have the analytics in front of me, but they were uh, one of the worst ranked offensive lines the last couple of years on paper, you know, when you look at the stats, that being said, Patrick Mahomes is such a unique quarterback. I really feel there's a, there's a certain level of familiarity playing with a guy like that, that you have to have, you have to almost have eyes in the back of your head. Like I know where Mahomes is going to be before he's there. And I think when you recreate your offensive line, typically teams aren't playing much in the preseason anymore and practice time is shortened more than ever in the NFL, I think that it's going to just take either, you know, six more games of in-game action of Mahomes getting hit. We saw him leave the game early with a potential head injury, you know, concussion. Luckily, it was clear, did not have a head injury. But you don't want to see that with the prize possession if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. They're like, this is our guy. We just gave him, I think it was like $400 million. Like, we're talking like, Austin Powers, Dr. Evil money, like $400 million, like, you know, billion dollars. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is insane amount of money. So I'm going to fact check them out of his contract. That might not have been totally accurate, but let's see. The point being, it's like, I get it. Recreate the offensive line. It's not easy to keep a unit together over the course of time in any professional sport, because that's just how it is with salary caps, contracts, agents. A lot of stuff goes into it. Um, but I think the biggest point is, if it's working, and Mahomes is, for the most part, putting up. Now, they didn't win the Super Bowl, and maybe they thought toward themselves, we're vulnerable. This is how teams can beat us. But it seems like they took a step backwards, I guess is the best way to put it. Sometimes you try, you, you know, and sometimes you got to take a step backwards to take two steps forward, as they say, maybe in three, four weeks, this unit really puts it together. Yeah. 10 years, $503 million contract. So, yeah, I'm. if I'm Mahomes, I'm even, you know, I'm never mind. I was going to say maybe he should think about taking the Brady route, taking a little pay cut, let him sign some offensive linemen. But, especially with all those endorsements out there, but I will say I will not sit here and preach what another grown man's going to do with this money. That's Mahomes' thing. Brady was unique in that way, where he was willing to take pay cuts. 
The players union typically did not like that. A lot of QBs, I don't think around the league probably like that. That being said, that's who he was. Mahomes does not have to take that route. But if they can't put an offensive line together because he's making $50 million a year, it might be worth it. So as long, you know, he's got a lot of endorsements going. That's all I'm going to say. I have a lot of respect for Pat Mahomes. I, I, I would like nothing more than to see the kid turn into a, a long-term star. But I always wonder in the modern era, we're so quick to say, Mahomes is the next this. He was going out and saying, my ne- only goal is to go undefeated. That's all, you know, the hype was there. We're putting him, people were saying, how could he pass Tom Brady? I mean, you got to give it time. So I'm all about just taking the time, letting it play out. But I think to protect him, the Chiefs really got to figure that one out. So that was a long takeaway for that one game. But um, the Chiefs just, they don't look like themselves. Mahomes is getting hit more than ever, it feels like. And it's a good sign also, not a good sign, but it's a good reminder, in my opinion, of why having a balanced offense with a good running game is so important because it does feel like their offense is so predictable where maybe the first two seasons of that unpredictable play-action style, um, creative offense Andy Reid was running with Mahomes worked. NFL defenses, they adjust, things change, and over time, they figure it out. So I'm not saying that the Chiefs can't get back on track. I just think they're going to have to get back to the run game and really look at some of their decisions in the offseason as far as the offensive line and how they can either get this group on the same page or maybe check out making a little trade deadline move for a, you know a team with a backup guard who they think is going to be a quality piece on their team. Something. I don't know. But you got to protect Mahomes if he's making $50 million a year. Simple as that okay moving on short and sweet note here the raiders are the real deal they're five and two now despite all the chaos around their organization um i think they're the real deal whether people uh never want to talk about gruden again and their gruden's canceled or this and that at the end of the day he got a lot of hate for some of his personnel moves over the years and i get it he wasn't the gm Uh, i believe it was mike mayock was the gm the point i'm getting at they built a good roster they had something special in the progress i said that before this season i felt like they were like on the right track and when you look at a team like the raiders and the browns baker mayfield is the guy i'll defend all day a lot of people like to hate on baker mayfield He's not an NFL quality quarterback at times. Case Keenum got the win. Baker Mayfield's arm's not great. Well, historically, I could probably list 20 quarterbacks that tried to do what Baker Mayfield has done in Cleveland. And yes, it's a different era of sports where I think even the the organizations who were historically really poorly run, they're doing a little bit more putting a little bit more into it. There's so much money involved. It seems like everybody's a little bit more on the right track. So maybe it was a matter of time and it's not all Baker. The organization deserves credit. Their front office got on the right track. Their head coach has finally got the right guy. It seems like it's Stefanski. The Browns have made a lot of moves. But Baker Mayfield was a guy since he was at um, Oklahoma or wherever the heck he went. I can't think off the top of my head. Now I got to look up where, yeah, Oklahoma. It's one of those days. It's Monday. Rocking and rolling right now. But, yeah, I I was going to say, ever since he was in college, 
Oklahoma, duh. I can't believe I had space on that. But then I started thinking Texas Tech, Mahomes, they went to the same school for a little. Blah, blah. Point being, he was the guy running on the other team's field with his flag, sticking the flag in the ground, causing drama, saying, this is our, this is my field. What I'm, what I'm getting is Baker Mayfield has a certain persona, mindset, winning mentality that he brings with him, and he brought that to Cleveland. Bigger point I'm getting at is John Gruden never um, – he never really got a chance to get his credit. Understandably, now a lot happened. That's a story for another time. The point I'm getting is the Raiders clearly were on the right track. When a lot of people before this season were already saying the Raiders are a mess. They don't know what they're doing. The Khalil Mack move was bad. All these different things when it seems like they just needed time to put it together. And just like the Browns, they put it together. It takes time. And now it seems like the Raiders are kind of following that same trend of a team who historically – Maybe we couldn't count on to win more than four games a year. Looks like the Raiders are going to be a competitor for the next few years, without a doubt. Because offensively, they're young, they're athletic, tons of talent. Derek Carr, I, I personally think he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league. When he has it going, kid's a star. Yes, a star. He had that year that they made a playoff run a few years ago, and he was an MVP conversation. So I'm a big Derek Carr guy. The Raiders are for real. Moving along, I just think that there were so many doubters of the Raiders that I still almost feel like we don't believe it. Like, I'm, I have a hard time. I do a pick and pull for fun. And every time I look at the Raiders, I'm like, do I take the Raiders? Do I not? Yes. And I saw so the first couple, I actually took them the first three weeks, and that worked to my advantage. But then since then, and then they start losing games, they start having a, it's hard to stick with them when a team like the Raiders, similar to the Browns, but it seems like those kind of organizations are finally moving in the right track. It's good for football fans. It's good for the league. Because as much as Browns and Raiders get kind of mocked at times, those are two passionate fan bases. And whether people like their style or not, the dog pound in Cleveland, Raider Nation is just like a whole different thing going on. Um, I've, you know, growing up in California, I've heard a lot of wild stories of going to actually go to the Raider games and stuff and just the chaos. It's a lot of fun. I'm not saying it's not a good time, but it's wild. So uh, I've heard it described as a lot of leather in the back of the day in the 80s, because back in the day, they definitely had used to dress up pretty crazy at Raider games. A lot of different, different fan base. That's what I'm getting at, though. It's good for the league. Kind of like the Cowboys. A lot of people don't like them. At the end of the day, passionate fans, let them have their fun. Whatever. Okay, so the Raiders, I think they're the real deal. Keep it moving. Probably just talk a lot of NFL today. Can always come back to the NBA 75 thing next week. Um, a team that I've been high on since the start of the season is the Cincinnati Bengals. Coming to the year, I was really, really giving Joe Burrow a lot of praise as the young quarterback, I thought, who was the most ready to kind of make a run in the sense. I just kept saying he had a little Aaron Rodgers to him. Maybe I, I I think I gave Herbert a lot of credit too. I'm not saying that I'm the Burrow's the only quarterback that is young and has a chance to be a star, whatever. The point I'm getting at is the Bengals are the real deal. Um and Joe Burrow's looking like a complete one hundred percent superstar in the making. Got the leadership, he's got the swagger, he's got the on field, uh just gamer mentality. He's the person who I mentioned earlier on the show, Aaron Rodgers uh, mentioned to a young quarterback, he got a slide. It was Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is one of those guys. He's a gamer. 
He's going to go out there. He went to LSU. He's going to play hard. He's not going out there to lose. He's playing to win. And they're 5-2 and two right now. They just beat the Ravens 41-17 to in a very impressive win. Um, and when you have a guy like Jamar Chase, a wide receiver, being compared to Randy Moss this early in his career, I think that it just shows that this team's going to have the talent aside from Joe Burrow. Like, they're making the right moves. There was a lot of people who criticized, oh, should you draft a receiver that high? And uh, did they just draft him because they went to college together? These kind of things. I personally, from somebody who's played a little uh, sports here and there, I'm not – nothing special. I always say this on the show. Not a, I never was a pro athlete, but I can tell you from playing enough sports, chemistry matters. Familiarity matters. I have friends I can go play basketball. Right now you can run a pick and roll with your eyes closed and you can finish the layup. You have other friends who never played ball with. They might be a really good athlete, but the timing's not there those little abilities to go up to somebody and talk to them and know how to reach them on a personal level where you're not going to maybe hurt their feelings. I'll just be real. Cause at the end of the day, athletes are people too. We've all played with somebody before who really, really talented, or we've seen an athlete before really, really talented, you know, following sports. We've all seen that guy talented, but doesn't respond well to his quarterback maybe a criticism and offensive coaches and that and we're all different guys get fired up i've been there it's not you know you're not always going to agree with your coach or your qb but that familiarity between burrow and chase is on display right now jalen hurts and Devontae smith have shown some familiarity another uh, rookie duo who played a little together in college so i think that could be a trend we continue to see i like it a lot i think that's smart and i'm giving the Bengals a lot of credit for the way they build a good offensive line and put real offensive weapons around their young quarterback. I gave Joe Mixon a lot of credit on the show before. I'm going to mention his name again. He's kind of the guy who's like going to be the unsung hero in Cincinnati. He's not going to get the credit. He's not going to be the flashy player. Um, he's the real deal at running back. He's a, he's Right now, he's third in the league in rushing, 539 yards, four touchdowns. So... He's, in my opinion, what allows this Bengals offense to be so efficient, so good. They run a lot of play action. They like to roll Burrow out of the pocket. They keep teams on their toes. And I think Joe Mixon has a lot to do with that. Um, I'm just looking at his stats. Yeah, 539 yards rushing, third in the league right now. And there's a lot of plug and play at running back in this league. But I will say Cincinnati has a real deal uh, you don't need to platoon them. You can just run him out there, and you can't replace that guy with anybody kind of a running back. Now, that being said, after Darnis Johnson stepped up and balled out in place of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, I think we're so talented at running back in the NFL. I say we like I'm like connected to the NFL. But as a football fan, as somebody who's been around the game a long time, just watch it develop. Um, it's never been this talented at running back. The level of athletes in college – are coming out so ready to play. It's unbelievable. There's so many seven-on-seven camps, off-season camps, and all these different things. The guys are coming out ready to play. And I think when – a major transition here. But I think when the XFL finally comes back, um, they're trying, run by the Rock, another football league. I know it sounds random transition here. It's going to be fun to watch because there's so much football talent right now. It is unreal. Guys are ready to rock and roll um, as far as high-level athletes nowadays. 
coming out of the blue left and right in the NFL. It doesn't matter the position, except maybe quarterback. And we still see some QBs occasionally, you know, you get the guy who wasn't expected to be a star. But at running back, receiver, defensive back, linebacker, it doesn't matter. It seems like there's so many talented players out there that there's just a plethora of talent. The point I'm getting at is that was a major transition. Joe Mixon, despite all that, is one of those rare running backs. You really can't replace him. He makes that Bengals team special. I think they're the real deal heading down the stretch. And they're a team, in my opinion, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say they could end up winning the AFC, but nobody's going to pick them. If If I really had to go right now and it's Joe Burrow versus Josh Allen, AFC championship game, I'd have a hard time picking against the Bengals. I would lean a little bit towards the Bills. The point I'm getting at is Joe Burrow's been there uh, on the college level. He made it to the biggest stage. He's one of those dudes. Sometimes you just get a winner, and Joe Burrow's one of them. I'll move along, but I really think the Bengals are going to be good. Okay. For the Ravens, I'm not worried at all about this team. They're coming off huge comeback win versus the Colts on Monday Night Football. And then the Chargers, they blew them out. Big emotional victory, those kind of games. So I think the Ravens are going to be just fine. They were due for a little bit of a letdown game. This was kind of a trap game versus the Bengals. They were they were due for a game where they were just going to get beat. It happens. And Lamar Jackson's played out of his mind. He had to come back to reality for a week. As much as I go on a rant about the Bengals and their chances of winning the championship, the AFC championship, the point I was getting at is, Prior to the season, I wouldn't have had the confidence to say that. I would say right now, they have a real chance. If I'd say the AFC and the NFC are both wide open, though. So let me say that. I'm not saying the Bengals are favorites. I'm not saying the Bills are favorites. I think it's wide open, and it's going to be a fun race down the stretch. I'll pull up some uh, standings real quick just to get a little bit of an idea where we're sitting at through seven weeks of NFL action. This year has just flown by. Um it's been unbelievable to watch, though. I feel like this has been the best seven weeks of NFL action to start the season I've ever seen in my life. And now it might be hyperbole. It might be getting caught up in the moment. It might just because the fans are back and I'm so pumped up that the stadiums are rocking. But I think that atmosphere and that energy is rubbing off on the players. It's contagious. And I think you've got the right word to use right now. But I think everybody's pumped up, fired up. Stadiums are rocking. People are having fun. And the football's been great. It seems like I've seen people complaining in the comments on social media. Oh, the primetime matchups haven't been good, this and that. It seems like every game's been a close game or a good matchup um, with with a reason. We have some that, you know, it's going to happen. We're going to have a blowout here and there. But that game last night, maybe it's not an offensive superpower kind of game between the Colts and the 49ers. That was a good football game. If you don't like watching football in the rain, I mean, what are you doing? I mean, do you even like football? I'm joking, but um, I'll go back to the standings in a sec. Football in the rain, quick thing I will say. I don't think there's anything better, in my opinion, sports-wise. Love basketball, love baseball. But when you get a good football game, it's raining. Scores like 7-3. Derrick Henry would be a great running back having a game like that. I don't know. I used to play a lot of, like I've mentioned before on the show, non-organized, like tackle football at the park kind of thing throughout high school. I know it sounds crazy now in the era of, uh, you know, taking care of your head and all that CTE. But this was before that. It was like 2009, 2010. We were still running around, no helmets, just having fun out there in the rain. Actually ended up on the news. Just had to throw that story in there. They were interviewing people doing crazy stuff in this monsoon weather. 
Southern California, crazy weather, trees are flying, and here we are playing football in the rain. First time I ever got on the news. So, you know, maybe it was all meant to be. I had to tie that one all in there. But, yeah, it's one of my the cool stories. You know, football in the rain, nothing like it. All right, moving back along, rant of the day. Kind of all over the place, but you got to do it. So the standings. Because I mean, that game in the rain, Carson Wentz made that throw at the end of the game, and I was going crazy. That throwing a Pittman to win the game, to throw that on a rainy day like that in the storm, that's a throw that you got to just have uh, true uh, confidence in your ability. And Car- Carson Wentz looking like Brett Farm 2.0 out there. Okay. So that being said, onto the standings. Number one in the AFC right now, with tiebreakers included, is the Bengals. Number two is the Raiders. Number three is the Titans. Number four is the Bills. Five is the Ravens. And six is the Chargers. Chargers. Excuse me. So the AFC is wide open right now. The Chiefs aren't even in the playoff picture. Uh, the Steelers are sitting at three and three. The Browns are sitting at four and three, both outside the playoff picture. Um, or actually, let me double, let me, let me do some fact checking here. But the point I'm getting at is this is gonna be an epic year of football down the stretch. I can't wait to see it. Um, I personally think not only has this been the best start to the season we've seen in a while, I think it's going to continue. And I think athletes are just probably pumped to be back in action. The fans are there. I already mentioned that a little, but I'm just thinking the NBA has been intense to start the season. It's been a special start to the year. But as far as the standings go, the AFC is so wide open. You have the Colts at three and four, the Chiefs at three and four, and the Broncos at three and four. So you have 12 teams who are in the mix. Um, now, when it comes down the stretch, obviously there's going to be a couple of teams pull away, take that leap, and make that run. But as of right now, I'd say there's not one clear-cut favorite in that conference. So the AFC stack, let's do the same for the NFC. I'll run through it a little bit, check out what's going on. Thank you to everybody watching the show live. As always, it's much appreciated. So in the NFC, it is also, in my opinion, although a little bit more highly competitive, it's wide open. You have the Cardinals, 7-0. The Bucks 6-1. The Packers, 6-1. The Cowboys, 5-1. And, and then the Rams, 6-1. So you have five teams with one loss through seven weeks who, in my opinion, are all extremely – there's a thin margin between them as far as who's the favorite to win it all. I obviously am going to give the – I'm always going to lean towards – the veteran QB who's been there. So Tom Brady and the Bucks, in my opinion, they're still the favorites to win the Super Bowl. I, I couldn't pick against them right now, regardless of defensive struggles, regardless of issues they've had. Tom Brady's done it too many times, in my opinion, and he has so many offensive weapons that it looks like he's playing um, video games at times out there. He rarely gets hit, gets rid of the ball so quick. I mean, he just he's a little bit robotic, and I mean that as a compliment. I rarely would mean that as a compliment. But, I mean, really, he's so efficient. I always uh, watch Brady, and I try to count. And if he gets rid of the ball in less than, like, two and a half seconds, it's pretty much almost a lock that he's going to complete that pass. So I still would lean towards towards the, towards the Bucks and the NFC just a little. But, look, the Packers are 6-1, and Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, he's going to be hungry to, you know, get a little revenge for that playoff last last year. They're the real deal, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones. Um, and then the team that I've come into the season actually kind of picked to win it all in the NFC. I kind of expected a little uh, step back maybe from the Bucs, but we're not seeing it. 
the Los Angeles Rams. I'll admit, I'm in Southern California. I'm not a Rams fan, so this isn't a biased pick here. When Matthew Stafford went there, I just got the feeling like we're about to see one of the best offenses as far as efficiency that we've seen in a long time. That being said, we are seeing that. They're 6-1. and one. Their defense might be the scariest in the league when you mix in Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. We saw it to end the game yesterday. Jared Goff's dropping back. Donald hits him. Ramsey makes the pick. It's almost like a storybook. I mean, that's what Donald predicted before the game. He said he was going to get to Jared Goff. Well, he did in the biggest moment. So I just think there's so much uh, top-end talent in the NFL right now. It's awesome to watch. I had to pick a favorite in each conference. Like I said, I think the Bucs, I give the slight edge on Brady win healthy like this, playing at an MVP caliber. I think it's going to be hard to stop him. The only thing I worry about with that Bucks team is we've seen Brady in the past, sometimes when he has such, you know, I just think back to their, some of his historic seasons. Sometimes when he gets rolling in the regular season, isn't necessarily his best postseasons. I know that's not exactly, I'm not backing up that up with stats here the best but i just worry if that team faces some adversity in the postseason gets down big early how do they respond tom brady's been there can't ever count him out of a game but that's the only thing i worry about the bucks is you usually don't see tom brady letting it loose like this in the regular season are they maybe showing a little bit too much of their hand because typically coaches save a little bit for down the stretch or maybe brady's just that good so i still like the bucks a little bit the packers are right there i'm not going to discredit the cowboys either to go on and on. Um, I didn't even mention the Cardinals. I got I to gotta give them some love, and then I'll move back to the AFC, and then we'll go back to a couple more takeaways. Maybe a quick NBA thing, and then we'll wrap up the show by 10 today. Um, but the thing about the Cardinals that's so impressive to me is they actually are a complete team on both sides of the ball, and defensively, they've been almost just as impressive as their offense, and that's tough to say when you have Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, James Conner, Chase Edmonds, I believe that's his name. But they've been the real deal offensively. Cliff Kingsbury is starting to look like his that hiring was not a gimmick or like, uh, oh, we just hired him because he's a great college good offensive mind, but we have no proof. You know, a lot of people hated on that move. It always takes time. It's like I mentioned earlier about John Gruden, love him or hate him. The Raiders, he was on the right track. They're five and two. And the only reason I mentioned that is because there was a lot of people preseason saying they have to fire Gruden already before any of this drama because of his performance as a coach, where in his performance, like get rid of Khalil Mack, he never uh, really got the credit for building a foundation and for him to get fired and then to win two games in a row, keep the train rolling. It just shows me that it kind of backs up what I said preseason where watch the Raiders, they're on the right track and it just takes time to develop that foundation. And that's why I'm getting out to Cliff Kingsbury. Um, he had the time to lose a little, figure it out, get his quarterback, develop, and then, you know, what happens? Here they are, 7-0. and You bring in a J.J. Watt. You bring in an A.J. Green, a couple veteran pieces for leadership, and they're, they're the real deal. I just had to give the Cardinals some credit. I couldn't just gloss over them real quick. I think if the season ended today, they might be the favorite hot pick to win it all, but I just worry a little bit, similar to what I said about the Bucks. How do they respond when they face a team who figures them out early and they get down? Because um, sometimes in the postseason when you get down 14-0, teams shut down. And it's hard to keep that rhythm. That's the only thing I'd worry about with that team. Young quarterback, inexperienced head coach. Um, I give them all the credit in the world for their success. 
But that's why I would not pick them yet as my Super Bowl favorite. But like I said, it's wide open, and that's why I'm breaking this all down. It's just such a fun year in football. Um, as far as the AFC goes, if I had to pick one favorite right now, with the way the Chiefs have looked, I just can't do that. Despite everybody preseason, all the Chiefs are the favorite. I, you know, I really did not expect this kind of drop off. I don't think anybody did. If Baker Mayfield's healthy and their running backs are healthy, the Browns are extremely impressive. Um, that all being said, I think I've seen enough from the Titans and the Bills, even though I didn't mention the Titans earlier, that if those two teams keep it playing this kind of football when it matters, they're going to be extremely, extremely hard to beat come the postseason. And the Titans especially, um, if Derrick Henry can face some offense, or excuse me, some defenses in what will be week eight, or 19 by then of the NFL with this extended season. Now, if he can with endure, you know, and still be ready to go, but they might face some worn down defenses, get it uh, going early. And kind of like I said, they have this ability to get up on a team, a touchdown. And if they can get one stop, it starts to get a little scary because if Derrick Henry gets it going, it's hard to get the ball back. They keep teams off the field. So I do think the Titans and the Buffalo Bills have a formula that, that will allow them to definitely be there when it's all said and done. I would not rule out the Bengals, despite that maybe being a little bit of a hot take this early in the year. And I've been high on the Ravens all year. Um, I think Harbaugh is one of the most underrated coaches in the league. There's something to be said about teams who just make the right plays for the most part. They don't beat themselves, and that's a John Harbaugh team for the most part. I think he deserves a lot of credit. I think the AFC is stacked. If I had to pick one team to win it all right now, the Titans look great. They just beat the Bills and the Chiefs. Let's just go with the Titans. But that being said, I couldn't pick a team. It's wide open. Let's move back to a couple more takeaways. It's an awesome, awesome year in football. Let's see. I'll, I'll, I'll run through two more, and then we'll move it on. So, one thing that's interesting to me is I saw something recently. Uh, there was a, a Browns game that Nick Chubb went out and the line changed to actually, and it helped the Browns in the spread, which I thought was extremely weird. The point being, somebody tried to make the point online. The running back's not important anymore. It doesn't matter who you have a running back. I think that's a false narrative. Um, I think that's a completely false narrative. Look at Derrick Henry, who I just mentioned. Put plug and play another running back on the tight ends. Are they a contender? Probably not. Same goes to say for, um, let's see here. I just spaced out. I had another team with another high-end running back that I'm just thinking of. But the point being, there's certain, because Christian McCaffrey, that was the point. Look at the Panthers. They start out 3-0. They're killing it. They're the new hot team in the league. The media's loving the Panthers. They're the team that everybody says, Sam Darnold left the Jets. The Jets suck. It's all about Darnold and how great he is and the Panthers. Great. There was a lot of hype around the Panthers. Christian McCaffrey goes out and they've lost four straight games. Completely different team. Um, and I think it's so easy to go, oh, you don't need a running back in the modern NFL. Uh, there's so many playmakers on the outside. Teams throw the ball so efficiently. When it comes to controlling the tempo of the game, controlling the pace of a game, being able to have a guy who you can hand, hand the ball to um, three times in a row, and they're going to get four yards of carry. Not going to be pretty, but they're going to get that first down, keep the chains moving. That goes a long way. We're seeing that with the Chiefs right now, where they clearly are lacking that running back who could just keep the chains moving, take a little pressure off the quarterback. 
And in McCaffrey's case, he's more than just moving the chains. He's a straight-up weapon in the passing game. But it just goes to show you need um, – if you have a team built around your running back, you're going to be affected without running back. And I just thought that was such a false narrative. The Panthers struggled again, and now the Titans are looking like a great team dominated by their running game. So I just thought it was worth mentioning on the show because it's like, are we really that far away from old school football, pound the rock, take care of the football, don't turn it over, control the clock, time of possession? Because um, that still wins football games. We're seeing it right now with the Titans. The Browns on uh, Thursday night won an ugly football game with the running game. So there's going to be times and places, the Colts on Sunday night last night, Jonathan Taylor had a great game. You need to have somebody who can just keep the chains moving, take a little pressure off the quarterback, um, throw a pick, let's come back with two straight handoffs, not even worry about it because we can get a first down on that. Whereas the Panthers, we're seeing they don't have that right now. A lot of teams that don't have a great running back right now struggle to have consistency. And I just think obviously it's limited your supply of great running backs on that level of a McCaffrey, a Nick Chubb, a Derrick Henry. The point being, they're still important to the game of football. And whether the analytics like to admit it or not, they're always going to be important to the game of football because there's there's so much that having a good running back does for your team as far as opening up the offense. Um, all right. I'm wondering if I got any other notes for the football or if I should drop my one NBA thing for the day and call it a wrap. I do think I'll mention, mention a lot of AFC teams who I think have a legitimate chance down the road of winning a Super Bowl. It's wide open, more so than ever, because obviously we had the Patriots dominated for a long time. The Colts dominated with Peyton Manning. Then we saw Mahomes came right in and started doing the same thing. This year, it doesn't feel like that. It feels a lot more like we're going to see maybe, uh, you know, the Chargers make, have their run. I mean, it just seems like who's ever hot at the right time can win it. That being said, here they come. Just blew out the Jets. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs, but keep an eye on the New England Patriots at three and four. I've said it before on the show. They're a team to watch because Mac Jones, although he's a rookie, has shown enough to me that he can win football games with his arm. He's not going to be a star, but we all know how the Patriots like to run their QBs anyways. It's a system, the Patriot way. Relatrix can go out there, do his thing. Yo, Mac, just go out there, complete a couple passes. You know what I'm saying? Belichick has his formula, and it seems like it's starting to the, – the, the ball's rolling in the right direction. They can win next week. Um, Let's see. I, I, I wrote it down here, their upcoming schedule. If they can win next week – or let's see. So they have the Chargers next week. That's going to be a tough game. But after that, they have the Panthers, Browns, and Falcons. The Browns might be without Baker Mayfield. If they can get through that stretch three and one – they're going to be sitting at six and five going into week 12 and striking distance. So I'm just saying there's a chance, you know, I have no horse in the race. I don't care if the Patriots win the Super Bowl, but I do think that people are kind of writing off Bill Belichick in the Patriot way. Um, it takes time and he's, he's rebuilding quick on the fly. And they're the jets. Was that a, a win that you go, wow, what a, Upset victory. I can't believe the Patriots played to that level of talent. No. But when you beat teams like that, 54 to 17, 54 to 14, whatever it was, it shows that you have another gear. It shows that there is something in your offense 
that when you get it going and your or your defense because the defense is making plays to put your offense in position to win, your team has that another gear. When you turn it up, you can be a contender. So I think that the way they played this weekend was so dominant. It makes me think, although the Chargers are going to be a tough matchup, if they can keep it close with the Chargers and go three, you know, maybe get a little three-win streak going, even, you know, go two and two in that stretch and be sitting there at about 500, close to it, it's a good sign for the Patriots and a bad sign for the rest of the league because down the stretch, if the Patriots, down the stretch, excuse me, if the Patriots have a chance to compete for the playoffs, they're going to be one of those teams nobody wants to face. They might not win at all, but we saw what Belichick's done to great quarterbacks throughout his career. I'm sure this year he would love nothing more than to play spoiler down the stretch if they're not going to at least make the playoffs because they're clearly in win-now mode. That's all I'm getting at. So I think the Patriots are a team to keep, the, keep an eye on. I'm going to move on to a little NBA, and we'll wrap up the show. So the NFL has been great. I'm going to save the dog of the day. For Wednesday, let's just say it might be Illinois for that win over Penn State, nine overtimes, crazy win, absolute insanity. We'll get back to that Wednesday. That being said, so the NBA 75 thing came out, 75th anniversary of the league. They dropped a list of the top 76 players of all time, and it's caused a lot of controversy in the media amongst players. Uh, Clay Thompson has vocally been upset he wasn't included, and rightfully so a champion, one of the best players of the last decade, without a doubt. Now, here's my bigger picture I'm getting at. The whole idea of this list is flawed. Like, we have the Hall of Fame. All of these guys who are sitting there going, why didn't Kyrie make the list? Why didn't uh, Vince Carter make the list? T-Mac make the list? Dean Rose make the list? Most of these guys are going to end up in the Hall of Fame. Um, and it's such a, it's a subjective argument. I mean, Artis Gilmore, Alex English are two names I heard mentioned from former legendary coach George Carl back in the day. Those are real deal Hall of Fame type of players. They easily could have been on that list. Um, you have guys like Vince Carter, T-Mac, T-Rose, Dwight Howard, who all arguably are in the most talented 75 players of all time. But that just is the whole argument of sports. It's such a subjective argument. It's so opinion-based. It's so system-based. It's so right fit, right time based. Now, if this list was purely the top 75 most talented players of all time, I could see the argument from like Andre Iguodala of the Warriors coming in. He His comment was Kyrie should be in the top 20 of all time. But Kyrie's legacy is in top 20 of all time, and there's really no debating that. I saw somebody from um, the four-letter giant. I won't mention their name, but they, uh, you know, we all know who that channel is. They said Bob Cousy, Pistol Pete Maravich, and another name should be taken off the list for Kyrie Irving. Bob Cousy was a six-time All-Star. He won multiple, or I believe more than that even, multiple championships. One of the best resumes in NBA history helped revolutionize the game as a point guard as far as one of the first true point guards. Now, that being said, if we're talking from a pure talent perspective, the Penn State-Illinois game was crazy. Just saw that in the chat, Steven. Straight up, that game was insane. Getting to that Wednesday. My bad, I just saw that. But my gosh, if anybody didn't see that game, nine overtimes in the new format, absolutely a fun game to watch. But okay, Bob Cousy, 13-time All-Star, eight-time assist champion, 
six-time NBA champion, 12-time All-NBA, and he was an MVP. Let's look up Kyrie's resume. And this isn't to discredit Kyrie or hate on Kyrie. I've said on the show before, I have no problem with athletes speaking out for what they believe in. That's a whole story for another time. I've studied a lot of free speech stuff and communication stuff. That's just kind of what's ingrained in my head. If you believe in something, speak out about it, have an open platform, discuss it. But anyways, for, from just a strictly resume perspective, he's a seven-time All-Star. He was a Rookie of the Year. But he doesn't have an MVP, and he has one championship. So it's hard to sit there and go, Kyrie is better than Bob Cousy based off his resume. As, a, as If you're ranking the best 75 resumes, legacies, whatever you want to call it in NBA history, Kyrie might be better than some of the other guys on the list, but to come at a guy like a Bob Cousy, it just shows that we're at this point of overreaction, discredit the past, go for the legends of the past. It's the same thing with the Otani and Babe Ruth thing. I'm like, they're two totally separate players in totally separate eras. And when you actually look at Babe Ruth's numbers in his last full season, hitting and pitching, he's a great pitcher. So it's just like, it's a different time. What are we doing? So Bob Cousy, I'm, I'm sitting here saying, the point I'm getting at is a list of 76 players is never going to tell the true history of the NBA. That's why we have things like the Hall of Fame. That's why we have, um, you know, the ability to talk about this kind of stuff. Now, as far as Clay Thompson goes, three-time champion. I think he has the most points in a quarter in NBA history. I think he, he has a little bit more of an argument maybe, but the point I'm getting is to – to single out players from the past that have been on the list before from the top 50 and this and that and say they don't deserve to be there. It's just a weird thing to do. Now, Pistol Pete Maravich was another name I saw. Maybe Kyrie deserved to be uh, there more than him. You could look at the um, resumes and you can make that argument. I will say that based off resume, but based off the history of the game, and if now if you want to just talk about pure talent, that's again where we go. That's such a subjective argument because Pistol Pete was known as maybe in his era, one of the most talented players, without a doubt, he in, in the modern game, he would have been, you know, a perfect fit for this modern running gun, three-point shooting era Pistol Pete Maravich would have. So the point I'm getting at is there's no wrong or right answer. Everybody's 76 player list would be different. And that's just the reality of it. Now, if we want to go strictly based off of some analytical number out there to go, this is how uh based off of per or whatever we want to use i'm not i'm not saying i'm in favor of this and this is how you dictate who's the best 76 then maybe that's what we have to do because as soon as you bring in people's opinions and voting on it of course the list isn't going to be perfect so i just had to go on a rant about that it's been the talk of the town on social media and a lot of mba circles it's just like obviously the list isn't going to be perfect yes Vince Carter is a name. You look at it, you go, really? They didn't put Vince on there. Okay, I get it. Alonzo Mourning, Shaquille O'Neal mentioned. I mean, there's so many guys. But I think the NBA maybe also, as much as this list is good for their, you know, any any news is good news, any publicity is good publicity, that kind of. I get it. It's good for their brand that be the talk of the town when the NFL's popping. As far as a lot of people are talking about this list, I'm not saying it's more important than NFL action or the baseball playoffs, which I didn't even really get too much today. Like I said, though, so many people on this network cover baseball. Great. I like baseball. I'm good at my baseball stuff. Been around the game since I was like five years old. That being said, I know there's people out there on this network covering it great. So I'll stick to the other stuff and I'll talk baseball when the time comes. That being said, this World Series is going to be fun. We'll get into that Wednesday. 
actually, I'll wrap up the show with that after one more thing. So my, my last thoughts on the list, I'm going to do a little article on my website eventually of my list of 76 just to show there's no wrong or right answers. My list is going to be completely different from the NBA's list. It's all subjective. It's all what how it means to us. And the NBA maybe to incorporate this a little bit more, incorporate the fans a little more would be a good idea because I think that would take out some of the dramatic reaction. Okay. That being said, incorporate the players more, incorporate everybody. Okay. Moving along, I'll talk more about that Wednesday. The last thing I want to say, we'll talk one thing about the World Series, wrap up the show. Thank you to everybody watching live on the No Filter Network. It is always much appreciated. And if you have anything to mention, feel free to chime in in the chat or using the knock button, like I always say. Thanks, thanks again. Okay, last thing I'll say, though. So we got the World Series coming up. The Astros versus the Braves. I can take a wild guess who's going to be the fan favorite in this one, the, the Braves, obviously, because everybody likes to quote unquote, hate the Astros, social media right now, almost every post you see it related to the Astros, all it says is how they're cheaters. The bigger point I'm getting at is, did the Astros bend the rules, look for a loophole, look for an advantage, all those things, yes. Do I have a problem with it? Yes, as somebody who grew up playing sports, do you want to play a fair game? 100%. You don't want to go up against an opponent and they have an upper hand based off of an unfair advantage. It's that simple. Now, that being said, shit happens. Time's kind of passed a little. And the bigger point I'm getting at is whether or not you like the Astros, you hate them, you despise them, I think we could all come together as baseball fans, sports fans, whatever uh, you know aspect you're watching from, just a casual baseball fan watching the World Series, that's all you watch. Dusty Baker is a guy everybody could be happy if he wins a World Series. The fans want to see Carlos Correa walk off with a World Series ring again? Probably not. Altuve? Probably not. Although, how can you really hate Altuve? The guy's a straight-up gamer. But the bigger point I'm getting at is Dusty Baker is a legend in the game. He has the most wins all time by a coach not to have a World Series ring. And in these kind of series where I don't have a horse in the race, I've mentioned before, I'm a Southern California guy, root for the Angels. Got the California Angels baseball right there. Fun stuff. That being said, when I don't have a horse in the race, I root for a good game. I root for action, drama, you know, sports. I always say it's the ultimate reality. So I'd love to see a seven-game series that goes down to the wire. And the Braves, they're the underdog team a little bit. They had some injuries to overcome. They weren't expected to be here. They were without their biggest superstar. That being said, Freddie Freeman might be their best player. Acuna is their biggest star. That could be an argument for another time. The point I'm getting at, they're an easy team to root for. The Astros, they're kind of turning into the new Yankees of the late 90s, early 2000s, where it doesn't matter who you're a fan of, you just don't root for the Astros. You just didn't root for the Yankees. That's just how it was. Unless you're a Yankee fan, you wanted the Yankees to lose, and that's just how it was. Astros, same feel. Now, that being said, I think everybody can agree. If Dusty Baker walks away with his first World Series ring, it'd be something to cheer for. And as much as we want to hate on Carlos Correa and Altuve and all these other guys on the Astros because they were begging on trash cans and now they're doing other things and trying to steal signs and this and that, Dusty Baker's a legend in the game, been around baseball for probably 50, 50 years plus, 40 years plus, without a doubt. And to see him win a World Series, kind of cap off a legendary career, 
I think everybody could give a tip of the cap, tip of the cap to that, and it'd be worth cheering for. So I'll wrap up the show on that note. I always try to put a positive spin on these. I'm not going to say the Astros deserve to, uh, didn't deserve to, you know, hear the booze. Deal with getting thrown at a little. Have some, you know, adversity. I blame the MLB for that. Personally, on a show I did a long time ago, I said, the MLB didn't punish them at all. Players are going to start throwing at them. It's just, that's how it's going to go. The fans are going to be more mad. The MLB should have just been some little slap on the wrist, something. You got to do something. The point being, and I'm the last guy to sit here and say hand out punishments, but I was like, the optics are not going to be good. And players are going to feel the need, like Joe Kelly did, take it into his own hands. Yes, that was fun to watch. I'm not hating on it. As a baseball fan, you love to see the drama and the flair and the players going at it. And that's part of the game. I mean, it's awesome. The bigger point, though, whether or not you like the Astros, whether or not you like the Braves, I think at the end of the day, we can all be happy if Dusty Baker wins the World Series in the sense he's one of those guys in professional sports who's always been easy to root for, in my opinion. And it's time for him to get that ring. So, We'll wrap it up on that note. Thank you to everybody who's watched the show live on the No Filter Network. It's been a fun show. A lot of sports action. Wednesday's going to be the same way. Going to dive right into it. The NFL, like I said, through seven weeks, might be the best it's been this early in the season. The only thing I'll say down the stretch to watch, and we'll wrap the show up, is to keep an eye on the war of attrition in this new 17-game regular season. because. We, we just haven't seen what that's like. Typically, teams get to the postseason, and it's who's ever the healthiest team wins the Super Bowl. Who's ever the most kind of in that zone flowing at that time wins. And it's just going to be one extra game where stuff could happen. Teams can get hurt. Guys can get injured, whatever. We'll see how teams manage that. We'll see if players are sitting out. We'll see how they work around that, how they keep that momentum going, stay in that zone. Had to throw that in on the zone TV. But – how do you balance keeping guys healthy and fresh for the postseason in the longer season and staying ready for the postseason? So that's the one thing to watch down the stretch. I think of that with the tight ends and their running attack. I go, they're either going to wear teams down down the stretch or wear themselves down. It's going to be really interesting to watch. All right, everybody, have a great day. Thank you for watching The Zone TV live on the No Filter Network. It's been a fun one. Everybody, take it easy. The Zone TV, out. Peace.